The following is a paid program on this station. Your home buying education on the house. Your neighborhood insights on the house. Answers to your calling questions on the house. This is On the House, brought to you by Primary Residential Mortgage. Now, here's your host of On the House, Harry Christ. Thank you for listening on this amazing Sunday. Uh, I have uh, quite a few people here in-house. I have Kyle Berquist, manager of PRMI. Kyle, good morning. Good morning. How are you, brother? I'm well. Man, big day today, huh? Rising sign. Here we go. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go get it done, right? Seattle's playing uh, the Green Bay, and we're going to see what happens there, but we're expecting a win, so uh, we're excited about that. Um, Shauna Peterson with the Warmack Group is in-house with us. Hey, guys. Good morning. You're in-house on the house. I'm in-house on the house. There you go. But not in my uh, Hawks jersey today. You're not in your Hawks jersey. What happened? Well, you know, I don't want to... uh put out any bad juju or bad luck so oh, i'm okay. cursed i only wear black on seahawks days but you guys look pretty good <laughs> all right then <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the show we're uh we're excited to have you guys listening to us today and uh looking forward to uh talking about some major changes uh in the seattle and puget sound region with regards to excise tax so we'll get to that here in a second breaking news delivered right to your door it's harry's headlines so we've had uh we've had a major change uh january 1st with uh excise tax in the seattle market so we're going to kind of take a deep dive into excise tax and take a look at it and why you should pay attention to this because if you're purchasing you know a million dollar home there's significant changes right uh, there's also some changes in the lower end brackets, and uh, it's something that everyone should be aware of. Uh, I think the law changed January 1. Is yeah, that right, Yeah, so the, the law went into effect on January 1. Uh, the legislation was pushed through last spring. Last spring. So there were some headlines last spring about it. I haven't seen a whole lot since then. Uh, but now that we're in January, uh, yeah, let's talk about this. Uh, excise tax for... Really, so it's a graduate. It used to be 1.28%. Okay. The statewide excise tax level was 1.28%. Now, in King County, uh, in a lot of counties and a lot of cities, there's two different add ons that uh, cities and counties can add, each at a quarter percent. If they're part of the Growth Management Act, they can add a quarter percent. And then uh, cities and counties can also add an arbitrary another uh, quarter percent for capital expenditures. So yep. in King County and Seattle, it's 1.78%, but the state is at 1.28, and that's what's changing is the state-level excise tax. So why this is significant is typically we would, you know, typically take a rate of about 1.78%. I think that was kind of the standard at so, the time. I mean, the vast majority the of vast majority one point seven eight purchases, and, and you would calculate that, and you could come up with a number that uh, – that obviously that they had to pay, or that the seller had to pay. Seller pays it, yeah. Yes. And so now what's really changed is it's graduated, right? So um, it's it's going between, so if you have, uh, let's see, so it's 1.1, let's see. So Yeah, so 1.1% for the first 500,000. 500, okay. Uh, 1.28% for up to one5 so between five hundred k and and one and a half million, right? Right. right An right. additional one point two eight. Yeah. That's a, that's going to be the bulk of the sales in the. Bulk that's of the bulk sales. of the sales here in yeah. King County. But yeah. above above one point five, it goes all the way to two point seven five. 
So it's 2.75% excise tax all the way up to a, a, a $3 million. And then it goes to three uh, flat 3%. Flat 3 after $3 yeah. million. So for higher-end properties or folks that are purchasing higher-end properties, this is a big change. Yeah. So the break-even is $1.65 million. If, if the sale price is lower than one65 you're going to be saving a little bit of money. Now, not not a ton of money. Uh, for example, a $600,000 purchase price, you're going to be saving $900. The seller will save $900 with this new excise tax code than they would have last year, right? But above 1.65, you're going to be spending probably quite a bit more because the tax rate is not, uh, I guess, is it double? Yeah, it's more than double. More than double, yeah. Right? Yeah. 2.75 over 1.28. So yeah. more than double for anything over uh, $1.5 million on the excise tax. So this major change is something, and I want to bring this over to Shauna. Shauna, on the higher-end markets, I mean, how do you think this change is going to affect uh, you know, people selling and, and buying properties? Well, you know, I think that it's definitely going to have an effect on, obviously, the seller's bottom line. So kind of looking at where you're you're putting your expenses when it comes to sell, to selling, uh, you know, what you're going to spend on preparation, what you're going to spend with your agent, et cetera, is really going to come into consideration when you're looking at what you're going to actually net when the property closes. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. think it'll affect people actually, you know, deciding to... I'm sure there was probably a little run-up before this this change, right, to sell properties. And now do you think it's going to affect, um, you know, long-term people that are actually thinking about listing and getting it, you know, getting the property out there right now? You know, I don't really think so. To yeah. be honest, it is what it is. If you're ready to make a move, you're going to make a move. And, you know, property doesn't really trade as quickly at that $3 million mark anyways. So I imagine if you're putting your house on the market, you're feeling that out and, and you're ready to move if and when that offer comes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the $3 million property range, I mean, I'm sure there's not a ton of properties there, but I mean, at one and a half even or 2 million or, you know, that's a significant change in the market and, and it should affect a lot of folks. I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah. I mean, if I was a seller, I'd probably take it into account and I think if you know a two million dollar house, you might see a seller might raise the price five five thousand bucks or ten thousand to to help pay for that excise tax. Three point two five million excise tax is is twenty five thousand five hundred more than it would have been. So in the really high uh, purchase prices or sale prices, it might come into play a little bit more. But you know around the two million dollar mark, yeah, maybe you know mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah. Um, so also in the news, obviously, last week, uh, there was a discussion with regards to uh, what the spring home buying season is going to bring, right? So we're taking a look at the spring season, and it looks like, uh, from what everyone's saying, uh, they're they're suggesting that we're going to have a pretty frenzied uh, spring home buying season. Uh, situation yeah, coming up. So. <laughs> right? Yeah. Thank you. I mean, after last month, it was a little, what was it, four or 500 homes sold or something like that in King County? Uh, yeah, it's been definitely slower, right? Well, which December. is sort of sort of par right? for the course yeah. Yeah. as far as the holiday, you know, November and, and December go. There's there's a lot of ho- holidays are going. So sellers control when they're going to sell, right? Yeah. Uh, so if you're a seller and you, you're in the middle of the holidays, you got family coming over, you got kids, you got kids in school, you got vacations planned, you got whatever else, right? There's football on the weekend, so less people out looking at houses when the Huskies and, and Seahawks are playing. Uh, yeah, there's just, just not a lot of sellers during uh, during the wintertime, and therefore there's not a lot of new inventory and less less purchases, less volume. Yeah, I wonder with the snow event that's forthcoming here and kind of what that's going to do with a lot of folks as well. I mean, people, I you know, 
Snow is uh, it's it definitely tends to cool things down. No pun intended. <laughs> um, you know, the market obviously will contract a little bit during, you know, if people are just buried in snow, then that's obviously going to affect things too. I don't know how long we're going to have this uh, effect, uh, but interesting to see kind of what, what this does to the market here in the next couple of weeks. You know, I think that honestly, a lot of us agents were advising our clients to try to get on the market early this year. And, you know, year over year, every, every year I'm saying, okay, you know, I like March 1st. Next year I'm saying I like, you know, end of February. And we've just kind of inched forward year by year because when you sell earlier on, it's been our experience that there's sort of some pent up demand, you know, weary buyers that didn't weren't successful the year before, or perhaps, you know, jumped in the market in the winter and didn't have anything to choose from. And so, you know, as soon as that good house comes on the market, people come out of the woodwork. But last year, given our our late season snow, everybody was kind of moving towards getting to market, getting ready to buy pre-approvals in hand, and we pumped the brakes. Yeah. Last year's quarter one was slow. Slow. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. So folks, uh, number to the show is 1-888-973-KIRO. You can give us a call if you'd like to uh, chime in on excise tax or what you think the spring buying season may or may not look like. We'd love to take your calls and, and have a conversation with you today. We're going to run to break here, and we'll be right back. All Pro defensive end Cliff April and PRMI's mortgage advisor, Harry Crist. Come on, Harry. Faster, faster. Harry, I thought you said you ran a 40 under four seconds. No, I said I posted a 30-year fix under 4%. Then what are we doing out here? I was just trying to tell you it's a good time to buy a house. Primary residential mortgage. Call 206-809-PRMI. NMLS 3094. PRMI is an equal housing lender. To soar in the clouds of success starts with the belief that you can. This is All-Pro defensive end Cliff Averill. If you're dreaming of owning a home, start with a call to Primary Residential Mortgage, a proven team that's helped over a quarter million Americans learn to fly. Primary Residential Mortgage, your dreams right at home. Call 206-809-PRMI. That's 206-809-PRMI at PRMIPugentSound.com. Primary Residential Mortgage, NMLS 3094. PRMI is an equal housing lender. Millions of Americans dream of owning a home. Yeah! Primary Residential Mortgage has already helped a quarter million of those Americans get there with a local team right here in the Puget Sound area and as one of the nation's leading and most established mortgage lenders. PRMI will provide you and your family with an incredible finance program to match your specific needs, helping you to start living that dream. This will be the sitting room. This will be my office. And this will be the... Your dream may be closer than you think. Call Primary Residential Mortgage, 206-809-PRMI. That's 206-809-PRMI. We bought a house, people. Primary Residential Mortgage. Your dreams right at home. 206-809-PRMI. Woohoo! Primary Residential Mortgage, NMLS 3094. PRMI is an equal housing lender. A few months ago, my family was facing a crisis. My 88-year-old father needed emergency surgery that would change the way my parents had planned to live out their golden years. He was going to need long-term care, and I was worried it would wipe out their life savings. I called my friend Rajiv Nagayich of Aging Options, and I asked him for help. 
Rajiv assured us he could help preserve my parents' hard-earned money so we could just focus on my father's health, and I'm happy to say my dad is doing so much better and is looking forward to coming home. Rajiv has helped countless families protect their assets and preserve their quality of life. Don't wait until your family is facing a crisis. See Rajiv. Rajiv will be in Bellevue this Tuesday, the 14th, from 7 to 9 at the Residence Inn by Marriott. And on Thursday, January 16th, he'll be in Puyallup from 1 to 3 p.m., at the Best Western Premier. Call 877-76-AGING. That's 877-76-AGING. Or visit agingoptions.com. That's agingoptions.com. Sponsored by Primary Residential Mortgage. Welcome back to On the House with your host, Harry Christ. So welcome back, Puget Sound. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank Kyle, my co-host here from uh, PRMI Seattle, uh, if you if you're interested in taking a look at a refinance or a purchase, we would be so thrilled to talk to you, wouldn't we, Kyle? I love it. Or yeah. a reverse. Or a reverse. Yeah. Our our number to the branch is 206-809-PRMI. And you can find us on primeres.com, Puget Sound or or primary residential mortgage.com or primeres pugetsound.com, right? So there it is. give us a call. Let us know if you're thinking about Perhaps getting involved in the spring buying season. Uh, you've been sitting around thinking about getting into a house, and, and you need some uh, advice specific to purchase or refi. We'd be happy to help out with that. Again, that number to the branch is uh, 206-809-PRMI. Uh, on the House Radio also has a really uh, – at PRMI, our branch, we have a really nice website where you can go to and listen to previous uh, – uh, shows that we've had here in the Cairo studios, and they're packed full of information. I think there's a lot of good information in there. Uh, and so if you're interested in just li- sitting back and listening to a show that was, you know, maybe a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, go ahead and feel free to get on there and, and take a look and a listen. Um, let's see. So we're going to go to our Neighborhood Spotlight. Neighborhood Spotlight. So there we go. I don't know about the neighborhood spotlight. Uh, that intro is kind of interesting, right? <laughs> Ooh. 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 Sounds Here we like, go. Sounds like Halloween almost. I know, it does. <laughs> so, Shauna, um, so let's kick it over to you. What have you been seeing? Uh, what neighborhood do you want to talk about today? I'm going to talk about my own neighborhood, which is where, coincidentally, I'm doing a lot of business right now. So, Hey, that makes sense. West Seattle. All right. I won't say it, Harry. I won't say West Side, Best Side. <laughs> you did. <laughs> oh, shoot. So anyway, yeah, West Seattle, you guys, it's uh, it's, a, it's a large neighborhood, which makes it unique and different than some of the others in Seattle. We've got some micro neighborhoods, and then we've got some larger neighborhoods that are geographically, you know, more expansive and also more dense. So West Seattle has been really interesting over the last few years because uh, there's been a lot of upzoning that's taken place and a lot of housing has infilled. Uh, Del Ridge Way being a perfect example, if you guys have been out there, you guys driven mm-hmm, on Del Ridge mm-hmm, at all. Mm-hmm, yeah. Lots of townhouses have gone in and they continue uh, to be built. So a lot of new inventory there. And then in the south part of West Seattle in general, uh, there's just a lot happening. So a lot, a lot of inventory has actually crept up here at the beginning of the year which is exciting. Uh, at the end of last year, we were in the doldrums. and uh, what, did, what did prices look like? Prices are, are hovering around the mid-sixes. Okay. And you can actually get you know a, a good amount of house, three bedrooms, two baths-ish, and probably in the 1,600, 1,700 square feet range is going to be our median. Okay. And when you compare that to some of the other neighborhoods, you know, you get north of the Ship Canal 
or, you know, you're looking at Green Lake, Ballard, prices are a little bit more expensive there. So affordable affordability is a little bit better in West Seattle. And also what's kind of exciting is all of our transit options. I don't know if you guys are. So I don't, how, wait, what's new? What? Yeah. Tell well, us. I mean, I'm just saying you can get creative. You don't have to drive. There's a lot of buses that are going to take you across the West Seattle Bridge in that awesome bus lane. And then we've got the water taxi. Have you, have you guys taken it? Oh, right off uh, Alki. Right off of Alki. Just north of Salties. Exactly. Right? Drops you right into downtown. And so, how, how quick is that? That's like a what a three minute ride. It's really really fast. It's yeah. just a couple 10, 15 minutes. And then you get dropped off on the waterfront, which right now is, I think, really interesting because Expedia is moving into Interbay. They are. Mm. And it's happening. And they've started. They've started. Yeah. I think, what did you guys hear? Something like 7,000 jobs? Yeah, something like that. Or more, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's going to be interesting. I think, too, I mean, you could probably take the water taxi from West Seattle and hop the bus on Alaskan. For uh, right over there. For New Year's, uh, Lori and I went to West Seattle. We uh, spent the weekend... Uh, with our uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and uh, I was just amazed at how many people are down there. It reminds me a lot of Ballard. I don't know if you've been to Ballard lately, but there's just a ton of people walking around. A lot of new construction, a lot of you know, a lot of things happening. But West Seattle was super busy, and uh, they had that you know where you jump in the water and it's freezing cold. I forget what it's Polar called. Plunge. Polar plunge. There was thousands of people out there and all having a great time. Such a cool area. I really like it. Yeah, it's a great neighborhood, I think, because for a lot of reasons. But one is that when you get outside of you know downtown in the core, you you return to West Seattle. It's kind of its own little oasis. We've got lots of restaurants. I always say we have a Target, which if you think about it, they're putting them. You know, Ballard just got a Target too, but it's really small. West Seattle has a large one. All the grocery stores are represented in our neighborhood, and lots of restaurants. So you can take transit into town, come home, retreat, and uh, have a really walkable, nice community sense and feel. How are the schools uh, in West Seattle? I mean, are they pretty top-notch? or You know, it's a, mi- it's a mix. And you a know mix. what? I, I get asked that a lot by clients, and, you know, we have to tread lightly because it's not always my opinion that matters or great schools. Right. It's just one yeah. one opinion on on how a school performs. But I think, you know, in general, people are really active in their community. And I think that that's what makes West Seattle really special. People are very active with their schools, with their students, with their children. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot lot of great -hmm. great schools and a lot of pride. The Green Lake area of uh, Seattle as well has been really busy. Uh, A lot of activity happening in in, uh, the Green Lake area. I don't know. Do you ever hang out in that area by Wallingford and go to Green Lake at all? All the time? All the time. Love Green Lake. I used to live in Green Lake. Oh, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Lived there for five years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's exciting. Rosita's. (laughs) Did you go to Rosita's a lot? Yeah. Uh, Well, we did uh, Taco Squamas. Oh, also delicious. Yes. Yes. (laughs) No, Green Lake. uh, Green Lake's fantastic. Wallingford's fantastic. I mean, both of those areas are... They're sort of the, the most centrally located. You can jump on every day. You can be like, well, do I want to take I-5? Do I want to take 99, right? Super mm-hmm. centrally located. In Green Lake, you have a built-in running path, obviously, right? 3.2, yeah. 2.8. Uh, 3.2 outside uh, the loop and 2.8 inside. And it's just busy. It's a, it's a community meeting place. Uh, they're going to be uh, renovating the pool there. Oh yeah, uh, coming up in quarter two, I think March through my, my like mom. Three months or something. yeah, my mom used to take <laughs> us. I mean, we lived off you know close by, and so she would take us to Green Lake every summer. Right, that would be yeah. our place to go, and and that would be the thing to do over the summer breaks. Right, you know that's just fantastic. So at three point two miles, Kyle, how fast can you run that? Not fast. 
Really? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of running, we should talk about R2EH and uh, the run that's coming up. Yeah, Resolution and Homelessness. If you guys haven't checked it out, it is a. Uh, I, I'm branch manager for primary residential mortgage, but I was also born and raised here in Seattle and uh, just really passionate about giving back to the community and doing anything that I can to help with. Uh, what's the uh, different things that are facing our community? And one of one of the big ones, obviously, has been homelessness. Now, personally, I don't know a whole lot about solving uh, like social work and act, the actual solving of homelessness. But I do what I do know I can do is I can help create events to uh, to build platforms for the community to get engaged with a lot of these amazing organizations that are doing uh, really hard work and, and really amazing work. Uh, they. Seattle, the, the organizations in Seattle, uh, com, uh, collectively, they rehome about seven to 8,000 people permanently mm-hmm. yeah. per year, which is amazing. And homelessness is just, it's, it's outstripped that ability to rehome people. And so, uh, I think there's, there's been a lot of anger. I was angry for a long time, uh, cause I, it just didn't seem like a lot was getting done. And, and then I got uh, involved and learned about just so many amazing organizations and, and they're so strapped for resources that. To me, it was like, you know, as a community, Seattle, Puget Sound, we have all the resources in the community to empower these organizations to go out and do more of what they're, of all the good work that they're already doing. It's all about building platforms for the community to meet these organizations. So March, what is it like? March 28th, 29th at Magnuson Park, we have, uh, it's whatever that Sunday is. Yeah, Sunday, March 29th, uh, Magnuson Park and... Uh... And it looks like uh, what's the start time here? Five. It's the second annual run, and it's a five k right that we're doing. Five k. Yeah. 5K. There's going to be fifty different organizations involved in homelessness there. So as a runner, you get to come, and you get a hundred percent of the race registrations goes to uh, all of the, our partner organizations. That's so awesome. Yeah. Fifty some, different or fifty. 50 plus organizations that are going to be involved just for the just they're going to be there so that the community can meet them and they can meet the community. It's fantastic. Yeah. And last last year's was a huge success, right? Yeah. Uh, was... Lots of people came down. There were there was plenty to do and you know, some of these groups and organizations are pretty amazing. Um you know, I, I mean, if you go to the Res- R2EH and just look at the peer uh the peer yes. groups that are on there, it's it's just absolutely incredible. And uh, it's a real feather in your cap, Kyle, for putting this together. I also want to mention to folks that uh, we do have uh, town halls at Resolution and Homelessness, and that uh, we have a, a town hall, uh, let's see, January 21st at 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Uh, and it's presented in, by Primary Residential Mortgage, our sponsor. But basically, you can go on to the R2EH and have a fantastic brunch at Ivers, there's no cost to come down, and you can. Yeah, it's, it's all about building. It's just about building platforms to increase visibility, increase relationships between community and organizations. And uh, this uh, this upcoming town hall, we have two great organizations: uh, Catherine Hendrickson from uh, Seattle University Project on Fam- uh, Family Homelessness. Mm-hmm. She's going to come and speak. February third is Advocacy Day down in Olympia, so she's going to be setting the groundwork. What can we as a community do? Uh, down in Olympia, what can we vote for? What are the important topics being discussed mm-hmm. uh, to help move the needle a little bit for ending homelessness here in Petersburg? That's really exciting, Kyle. You know, I've had the opportunity to sit on a couple of your town halls, and I just have to say that you know the problem is overwhelming, and I think all of us kind of feel that way sometimes. But the way that you guys have been able to bring together the organizations that are are helping and break down 
what it is that needs to be done to really serve our population is just awesome. So I'm always really excited about the things that you're doing. And yeah, this run's going to be awesome. I, I highly encourage anybody. Are you going to do the run? I mean, I would have to start training immediately. Immediately, right? <laughs> but yes, it's I'm going to do walk. the walk. It's a run walk. Okay, yeah, it'll okay. be a walk walk for we me. Could walk. I'll be there. <laughs> Count me in. <laughs> I uh, haven't ran anywhere fast uh, for a long time, but I, I think I can try to walk. Are you going to be there? Oh, definitely. Okay. I will be there for all sure. Right. Absolutely. I mean, just you know, it's amazing to see all the community support and everyone that's kind of involved in this and how it's actually grown and multiplied and so many people kind of come down and listen to the, you know, listen to the presentation and speakers and people are actively getting involved. They're like, hey, you know, I may not may not know the solution to solving homelessness, but I have an hour of you know, time that I can I have come. a donation I can make, yeah, whether right. it be through time right. or, you know, goods and services needed. Absolutely. It's All nice. Right. It so good. we got to run to break, folks. Uh, thank you for listening in and we'll be right back. Get your real estate and mortgage questions answered on the house. Call 844 on the house. Now back to on the house with your host, Harry Christ. Welcome back, Seattle. Welcome back, Puget Sound. Thanks so much for listening on this uh, Sunday, and uh, we're all so excited for the snow and the Hawks win today. I got, I got to tell you a story. Okay, tell me a story. Here we go. So I'm putting, uh, I have a, a four-and-a-half and two-and-a-half-year-old, right? And I'm putting them to bed last night, and Jack's the four-and-a-half-year-old, and he goes, Dad, you were watching Titans game. He goes, Dad, why do you like football so much? I'm like, oh, it's a good game. It's fun. You know, what do, what do you like? He goes, I only like the birds. <laughs> the birds? <I> was like, <laughs> the bird teams? I was like, what does that mean? He's, Oh, you know, the, the the blue and green. I only like the birds. Everyone else, I don't like. And I was like, <laughs> all right. Job. Yeah. Good job. That's <laughs> so awesome. Go Jack. Like that. That's awesome. So I have a question. So we've got a upcoming election, and Bloomberg did a little article about, um, you know, how, elect, uh, how the 2020 presidential election approaching might affect the FOMC. And, and to kind of see, you know, they had a general, they took a, 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 a vote of a, a bunch of groups of people and they just asked them two simple questions. So they said, with the election, how is it going to affect interest rates uh, coming forth this year? And um, they had uh, three three numbers in there. They basically said that more um, that they were interested in finding out if 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 people thought uh, the election would would be more likely to raise interest rates, or more likely lower interest rates, or more more likely to stay on hold, or about the same. So. Uh, do you think uh, the effect of elections on interest rates is going to be significant this year or about I, the same? Or? Wait, uh, what happened? What did so, people vote? I want to know what people Yeah, said I'm first. curious. So Make sure my answer more is right. like, yeah, <laughs> More likely to raise rates was 3%. Uh, more likely to lower rates was 3%. More likely to stay and hold, 34%. And unaffected said fifty nine percent or so. So apparently, there's unaffected a, isn't that the same as holding? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the stat was kind of strange in the article, but basically, you know, folks, you know, ten, you know, they tend to think of an election year uh, that you know. The reality is that nothing's really going to happen with Fed policy. Yeah. I mean, so there's there's a whole, there's so many things that go yeah. into mortgage interest rates, which is right. why I love. I love this job. I was, I, you know, history or uh, past in economics from the University of Washington. I just, this job just taps on everything. I love it, right? Uh, but as far as an election goes, let's go back to when uh, Mr. Trump was elected. 
uh, the va- the vast majority of markets. So the way that mortgage interest rates move, they they all move based on what expectations are for uh, economic policy, inflation, all that, right? Right. And uh, so mortgage interest rates are traded. Mortgage uh, Fannie Mae mortgage bonds are traded on the secondary mortgage markets. And whether the if the price of the bond goes up, then mortgage interest rates go down. If the price of the bond goes down, just like stocks, because people are selling it, then mortgage interest rates go up. Okay. So last, it's it's all based on market expectations. And and if you go back to the last election, the market expected Hillary to win, right? Clearly. <clears throat> Yes, they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that didn't happen. <laughs> the markets expected that Hillary would win. Uh, so we would have another Democratic uh, president on the heels of, of eight years of uh, Democratic president in Obama. And uh, Democrats, policy for Democrats is a little less economically friendly, right? A little bit more governors on on the stock market. And so uh, had a lot of money sitting in the bond market. Now, when... Uh, when Trump became president, it shocked the system. And mortgage interest rates overnight, I would say, venture to say that they probably rose upwards of a half a percent, right? It was a big uh, bump, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a huge bump. And a lot that of that is... a frenzy. Yeah, and a lot of that is because, well, a, a Republican policy is more stock market friendly. It's more big business friendly. It's more let's grow the economy. And with that comes inflation. And inflation is the killer of, of long-term bonds like what a 30-year mortgage bond is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so mortgage interest rates rose uh, rose considerably because of this, because of market fears on inflation and everything that comes with that. And just the uncertainty of like, oh, my God, we didn't even talk about Trump winning. <laughs> you know, what's going to happen here, right? Uh, and so for uh, – let's see, he was – he was inaugurated, what, November 8th, 2016, right? I remember that day. It was a very bad day for some of my borrowers <laughs> and for me, <laughs> for that matter. Did you go in floating into the elections? I, I mean, Not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So uh, rates rose quite a bit, and they continued to rise up until about uh, November of 2018, just because trade wars crept up. And if there's a trade war, then there's inflation built in there. And and then we had tax reform. And if more Americans have more money in their pocket, the theory was that there's going to be inflation there. And so there was a lot of concerns over inflation. And so rates rose from November 8, 2016, all the way until about November 15, 20, uh, 2018. And then rates started to fall. Rates got all the way to 5.1%. And then they started to fall just because all the concerns that caused the rates to rise sort of dissipated because it didn't actually come to fruition. Like in, inflation didn't skyrocket. Right. And trade wars <clears throat> didn't cause this massive catastrophe. And the tax reform didn't have Americans spending money left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does an election affect rates? Yeah, it can affect rates because it affects what markets believe will be the policy moving forward. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's so an election can affect rates. Uh, now, will it have a direct impact in like will this candidate being elected, will he be able to say something that makes rates go higher or lower? Or will this candidate be able to say something that makes rates go higher or lower? No. Candidates have absolutely no, uh, or the president for that matter, has no control over what mortgage interest rates do. Right. The FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee, the Fed, better known as the Fed, right? They have control and they affect short-term interest rates. Uh, they don't. They What they do when they raise or lower the Fed funds rate, the federal funds rate, that's affecting the rate on short-term credit. So right. that's affecting the rate on uh, car loans, home equity lines of credit, right. credit cards, that kind of thing, right? Uh, and they, the reason that they would lower the rate is so that 
credit card rates go lower and in theory maybe people will spend more right if interest if if the amount of interest that people is paying uh, people are paying is less people and corporations are inclined to spend more which is economically friendly right economic expansion if you raise the rates then you're worried about inflation and you're raising the rates to counter inflation so that people spend less and you're doing it because you feel that the economy is really strong so the fed had been raising rates for a long time uh, this past year, they they lowered the rates three times. I think, yeah, was it three times? Three yeah, times, they, yeah, they lowered the rates, but that that in and of itself did not affect inter- uh, mortgage interest rates. That affects short term interest rates. Correct. Uh, what affects the mortgage interest rates when the Fed takes an action like that is what they say, right? If they say, "Hey, we're lowering rates because there's no inflation," the uh, the the Fannie Mae mortgage coupons, the mortgage bonds on the secondary markets they'll actually spike because people are, oh, if there's no inflation, then I'm really good at a lower interest rate on this long-term investment because it just doesn't take that much to stay ahead of inflation if there's no inflation. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? You guys Mm -hmm. with me? Yep. Yeah. And so the Fed was lowering rates and mortgage interest rates continued to fall, right? It wasn't because the Fed did that. It's because what the Fed was saying. So mortgage interest rates continue to fall. When the Fed raises rates, they're raising rates. Hey, we're worried about inflation. Those inflationary fears have investors who hold mortgage bonds go, oh, my goodness, I need to sell out of this three, three and a half percent coupon and get the four percent coupon so that I can stay ahead of inflation. Yeah, I think the biggest spikes this year have really been about trade. I mean, the whole trade war, the not trade war. There's been a lot of movement with regards to mortgage interest rates as soon as trade was discussed. Did you, did you not feel that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt it. Yeah. On a day-to-day basis, there are things that happen that will cause mortgage interest rates to, you know. Yeah. So we we watch yeah. <laughs> we watch the ten-year Treasury bond a lot, and uh, we're constantly looking at that as you know as mortgage folks. And I mean, our main goal is to provide excellent service to our clients, but to provide them a real good update as to what's happening in the broader scheme of things, right? right. So we're constantly looking at. 10-year treasury. We're looking at any type of yield curve inversion. We're looking at, you know, what our best prognosis is. And in the end, um, if the rate works for you and the payment is sufficient and you believe your family is going to be able to make that payment, you know, that might be the best time to lock in, right? You don't, you, you never can call the bottom. You can never call the top. Right. It's always a moving scale. But ultimately, if the interest rate, uh, ultimately serves you and your family. Well, the thing is, if there you go. So you lock in there. If you're happy, right, and you don't yeah. have some insider knowledge, just lock the rate. And and then you can move on. There's so many things that go into buying a house. Last thing you need to do is on a day-to-day basis be like, oh, my God, my rate rose. My rate rose. Or, yeah, it fell or whatever, right? Right. Just lock the rate. Because the thing is, if rates rise moving forward, then great. You have an amazing rate. But if rates fall, just refinance. Right. Right. There it is. So, yeah. (laughs) uh, All consumers have the ability to either float or lock, right? And uh, the reality there is that uh, sometimes you, you know, you can watch the market. And if you have a good mortgage person and they're giving you updates on kind of what the market's doing on a daily basis, you can make a decision to float maybe a few more days. But ultimately, Kyle's advice is good. Uh, the rate, you know, once you're happy with the rate and everything else and you're going through the purchase process, you might as well take a lock position and be secured and knowing right. that you're going to get the house. Right? For the record, no one knows what's going to happen. Nobody. This is not a science. Except, whether it be except for Shauna. Shauna knows Shana everything. Knows. She has a magic crystal ball. <laughs> I sure do. Don't no you know? no <laughs> one knows. And so just lock the rate because in my experience, what I found is when rates rise, if someone's floating, when rates rise, they are so much more unhappy 
then they so are happy much more unhappy oh, yeah. if the yeah. rates fall, right? Yeah. So Hindsight's there's just, 2020. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. So just, you know, I, for me personally, oh, man, I, I don't like dealing with angry or upset people, even no. if, especially <laughs> if it's something that's outside of my control. Right. Sure. <laughs> right. And the markets are, you know, constantly moving. It's it's so interesting that people, I mean, in the old days, they used to go into a bank and they'd see X rate advertised. And, and so they'd get an idea, you know, they'd make the deposit of their check or they'd take out some money or whatever. And then, you know, the next month they'd go in and they see X rate advertised again. And, and the reality that mortgage bonds move daily. Well, I think there's hourly. A, there's a big distinction between mortgage banks and I know we have to go to break here soon so I'll try to make this short, but mortgage banks versus big banks. Right. Big banks buy money. Think of like an airline, right? An airline will buy a whole brick of fuel or a whole block of fuel because they sold a ticket for this flight that's going to happen in 2 months. If if uh, fuel prices dramatically increase, well they can't take a loss, so they want to, they hedge their bets by they buy all their fuel up front, right? Big banks will do the same thing. All right. We got to run to break, oh, Kyle. Man, okay. So sorry about that, we'll brother. We'll get there after. So we will be right back, folks. Thanks for listening to On the House, and we'll be right back with our last segment. All pro defensive end well, Cliff Averill goes head to head with PRMI's mortgage advisor, Harry Chris. Harry, I ran a 40 in 4.5 seconds. I posted a 30 year fix under 4%. I bitched over 450 pounds. I moved houses. Wow. You ever win a national title? PRMI is a four-time top national lender. I'm sold. Primary residential mortgage. Call 206-809-PRMI. NMLS 3094. PRMI is an equal housing lender. Football is more than what happens on game day. It's about hard work and dedication off the field that leads to success. If you're looking to buy a house in this competitive market, you want a team committed to excellence day in and day out. This is All-Pro Defensive End Cliff Averill for Primary Residential Mortgage. Looking to buy a home? Start by picking the right team. Primary Residential Mortgage. Call 206-809-PRMI at PRMIPugetSound.com. Primary Residential Mortgage. NMLS 3094. PRMI is an equal housing lender. Millions of Americans dream of owning a home. Yeah! Primary Residential Mortgage has already helped a quarter million of those Americans get there with a local team right here in the Puget Sound area and as one of the nation's leading and most established mortgage lenders. PRMI will provide you and your family with an incredible finance program to match your specific needs, helping you to start living that dream. This will be the sitting room. This will be my office. And this will be the... Your dream may be closer than you think. Call Primary Residential Mortgage, 206-809-PRMI. That's 206-809-PRMI. We bought a house, people. Primary Residential Mortgage. Your dreams right at home. 206-809-PRMI. Primary Residential Mortgage, NMLS 3094. PRMI is an equal housing lender. This year, would you like to lose weight and kick off a healthier lifestyle? Call 3010 Weight Loss for Life. Worried you'll put the weight back on? 3010 will have you burning fat in the first week and give you the tools and guidance to keep it off. Allergies or restrictions? 3010 has personalized programs, including vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, and more. With hundreds of delicious recipes, your weight loss journey will be a tasty one. And now, introducing the 3010 app. Putting the power and effectiveness of 3010 right in your hands. With meal plans and recipes, weight and results, 3010's original audio inspirations, and more. A healthier new you is within your reach. 
Call 855-YES-3010. 3010 Weight Loss for Life and the new 3010 app. 855-YES-3010. 855-YES-3010. In Everett, Bellevue, Issaquah, Renton, and Tacoma. 3010weightlossforlife.com. Raising awareness. Raising funds. Raising hope. To see our neighborhood's immediate needs, visit r2andhomelessness.org. Now back to On the House with your host, Harry Christ. Welcome back, Seattle. Welcome back, Puget Sound. Thank you so much for listening in on this uh, amazing Sunday. We're so excited for the Hawks. I just can't uh, wait to get out of here, to be honest with you, so I can go home pre- and watch. Pre-game starts, pre-game starts in, in like 12 10 minutes. minutes. Oh, yeah. Right, you guys. Minutes. All right. So, uh, yeah, excited. Um, what do you want to talk about? we got 10 more minutes into our segment. Oh, I guess I should announce that... Uh, uh, PRMI, we're going to be doing some uh, obviously different, interesting things going forward in the following year, and uh, we'd like to invite the community to listen in and take part. So uh, Shauna and I are going to start a podcast together, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, one or two subjects every single week, something specific to the real estate market, something specific to mortgages. Uh, and we're also going to be launching uh, some some. Uh, seminars that are at the Puget or at the Puget Sound branch and uh, we're inviting all Cairo listeners that want more information with regards to a purchase or refi to, to kind of go to our our um our our go to our, uh, go to our website. website sorry com we got we have a, an amazing uh array of classes we do yeah. we have VA classes we have down payment assistance classes. We have reverse mortgage seminars. We have building wealth through home ownership. We have moving up uh, classes. So for those people who are trying to navigate the logistics of, oh, I bought this condo and now it's time for me to move into a house because I just had kids and there's no room in the condo. Right? That's, that's a great one. Yeah. That's a big one because that's it hard. Is, there's that a lot that goes into buying that next floor? house, selling your current house, buying the next house. There is a lot. Yeah. There's <laughs> there a really ton. is. That's yeah. a tough spot to be in. Yeah. yeah. Success by serving others, right? That's our key mantra. That's something that uh, Kyle and I completely believe that, in. That is our cornerstone. That we, is our cornerstone. We right personally there. want to succeed with uh, de- by dedicating ourselves to others and, and helping. Everyone else's success is our success. Yeah. And there's a lot that uh, we can do in those classes to kind of help you out manage, you know, the home buying process and uh, give you some advice and, and, you know, look forward to hearing your questions and trying to get everything that you can possibly, you know, imagine yeah. answered. Check, check out the classes yeah. on PRMIPugetSound.com. It's going to be a great interactive platform. It will be fun. For people to jump in and ask their questions. You guys are great instructors. Yeah. Thank you. And this, this radio show, we, I've loved doing this show. It's so this fun. This show is so fun. Yeah. And for 2020, we're going to take a break from the radio show, but we're moving to podcasts. And like Harry said, Harry and Sean are going to be heading up the podcast every week. Yeah, it should be great. It's going to give us an opportunity to really dive in to topics a little bit more in depth and, you know, answer questions that we get asked very frequently by our clients and, you know, by our friends and family. What's happening with the market? How do I get into the market? How do I get out of the market, et cetera? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of information, uh, and then I think we'll open it up to you know folks that are watching the podcast as well to perhaps you know you know ask us specific questions that we can take a deep dive on. Yeah, right? get some maybe some uh, appraisers, 
other folks in there that we work with kind of on the back end and get some of those those things brought to light as well. Yeah, there's going to be some opportunities for, you know, discussions with financial planners, CPAs, attorneys that want to kind of get involved. So uh, yep. you can look fi- for more on our on our website. About yeah, that. I think and I think the podcast is already launched on Apple. You can find us on uh, uh, on the house on the house. On Apple, yeah, on Apple iTunes. Store. Yeah, iTunes, stay yeah. tuned. Thank yeah. you to Troy Chris for putting that together for us. The man's uh, just amazing, and I appreciate that. He also is my son. So, <laughs> he is a yeah. little wizard. He, he is, is a wizard. Guy. Let me just say. Super bright. He just does what he does, and it all it, looks it's good. It's amazing. It yeah, it's amazing his <laughs> memory. I mean, he can remember 10, 15 things that, you know, I, I would just go, what? And he would go, oh, no, that was on this day, and that was at that time, and don't forget you've got this yeah. coming up. You know, he's just like that. But, he's going to uh, make us look and sound hashtag great. Proud dad right hashtag there. proud dad. <laughs> Thank you, Troy, for all your help this year. Uh, so market continues to move. It's going to be an interesting spring buying season. Maybe we can wrap up with the spring buying and yeah, kind of what we think. Let's go back happen. to that headline. I mean, Seattle Times came out and said that brokers, I don't know which brokers. I, I, some brokers. Some brokers believe that we're going to 2017 frenziness again. I don't yeah. know about that. Something like that. I mean, I would love it. Would Maybe? you? Maybe. No, I, no, I, I didn't. Gotta like work really hard. You got to show a lot of houses. No, it's lots true. Lots of competition. There's Ugh. lots of. What we need is inventory. Oh, I don't think we're going back to 2017, guys. I think that great houses will continue to get <laughs> a lot of traffic. I think that they're going to be bidding wars when they're warranted, and I think that when it isn't warranted, there won't be, which is okay. I think that we might behave, continue to behave like more of a balanced market. The the thing that scared me most. Balanced market sounds so boring. <laughs> Freaking fantastic. I like frenzy. 20, <laughs> 2020 frenzy. For all intents and purposes, oh, you're a very bro- balanced market. Right? Yeah. Well, what uh, people say, oh, 2017, 15, whatever, you guys made a ton of money. I was like, my clients lost a lot of houses during those days. Oh, my so, goodness. I mean, really are. 10, 15 offers. Well, the scary part about 2017 and what I don't like about the frenzied market, I mean, there's always going to be some houses that have a few offers and maybe a little bit of escalation, but it was almost... Uh, like par for the course. Oh, you, you just waive financing. You want a house, you waive your inspection. You, if you want the house, you got to escalate a hundred. I hated that. I don't. You know, there's it was, so many. It was nerve wracking. It's nerve wracking. There's and so it's, many it's things bad for your borrowers. There's all sorts of stuff terrible. there. Yeah. Well, and you know, there's just that sort of feeling of okay, I'm trying to project whether or not this house is adequately priced for what's going to be an appraisal in four weeks from now. I don't know. I mean, you're just chasing the market around, trying to project into the future and waiving financing, and that's losing That's your what protection. your crystal ball is for. I need to polish that thing up before going back to 2017 market. <laughs> Get no, that thing it, polished up, because uh, it's going to be a frenzy. It's gonna, uh, no. I, it's, it's, I, I don't know. All the ingredients are, are in the mixing bowl for, uh, for a good year. Yeah, I don't. I hope it doesn't turn into 2017. If it's another 2019, that was good. Like in 2019, prices that were ha- uh, priced well, houses that were priced well and ready to move, uh, move in ready, they maybe had a couple offers, right? Uh, but it wasn't. It was in 2017. It seemed like everything was escalating with 15 offers, and that's that's where it gets a little bit uh, crazy. And it's scary to be a home buyer in that. It's scary to be a professional in that market because your advice is, well, what's going to happen? No one knows what's going to happen. Well, yeah, you you start coaching your clients to win and, you know, they start getting fatigued from submitting offers and, and not being able to compete. And before you know it, you buyer know, fatigue is a real thing. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And then you start making concessions. There might be one house that hits the market that you like as a client. And then all of a sudden you're grasping at straws and, and it's tough. Yeah. I, I don't want to see that again. I'm too tired. Yeah. Still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember in, in 17 with the waving of inspections. Oh, it got crazy. You know, 
it's it's just it's just not a good thing to have a buyer go through that process. Now that it's balanced, I mean, I think uh, it's a heck of a lot easier for a client to get through the entire transaction. Yeah, and and happy. keep the contingencies that are there in place to protect them. They're yeah. there for a reason, right? So no, maybe we're saying no frenzy for. 2020. I, I'm saying it'll probably. I'll go out on a limb and say it'll be a competitive market, but it's not going to be 2017. I think the spring is going to look a little bit crunched as inventory trickles to market, uh, but I think probably by midsummer it'll balance out yeah. again. There's there's like no homes for sale. The last there are time no we were, homes. The, this there's is the homes, second lowest guys, inventory. Not that many. <laughs> My this is the Matt second Warman. lowest inventory. Uh, on record, it's, I think, right? Yeah, we're, we're down right like around five hundred and forty homes or yeah, something. Yeah, we're just over a month, barely over a month of inventory. There's there's three hundred thirty one thousand households per the latest census data in Seattle, mm-hmm. and there's five hundred forty seven homes or something like that. And not all of those are good. Probably <laughs> ten of them I like. Right? Yeah, because a lot of those are were listed terrible. Last fall, yeah, they've got four hundred days on market. <laughs> yeah, nobody likes those ones. <laughs> So with the days on market, when they take the listing back off, is that just to kind of trick the market to thinking that it's a new listing coming back on? Yes. And as a matter of fact, if you drop your purchase price uh, for more than 5%, the MLS lets you cancel and relist. So if you do that coupled- So 5% change, You can cancel cancel and relist. relist. So you look new. Or uh, they changed the rules. It used to be 90 days off market would reset your your clock. Uh, Now it's 60 but yeah, when you look new, I mean, it does make a difference. You have to imagine our buyer pool turns over pretty quickly. But I would assume with a limited amount, I mean, let's just say these 500 uh, houses or 540, whatever it was last month, you, you keep seeing that same house over and over and over again. Different and angle then, of the front. Right. People start wor- wondering, oh, what's wrong with it? Or, that happen- You know what? In this market, that happens over 30 days, probably. Mm-hmm. It could be price. If it's longer than that 45 days, we're starting to think that there's an incurable dysfunction that can be only offset by a drastic price reduction or discount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Perception is reality in real estate. Yeah, no. And that, and that's true. I, I mean, I, I do remember in 2017, there were people that would send me a listing. They're like, there must be something wrong with this house. It's been listed for 28 days. I don't you know, 28 days. I don't know. First of all, it's not very long. But that really was yeah. the but, mark. If you've been sold then, in three weeks, you're probably too high in price or there's something wrong. And and the worst part for sellers, you want to make sure that you're uh, accepting an offer that you know is going to close, especially in a competitive market. Because if you have to go back, the buyer who's looking at Redfin or Zillow or whatever, right? They just see, oh, it went pending and now it's not pending anymore. What's wrong with the house? Perception being reality. Buyer got cold like, feet. Well, yeah. What if it's the buyer? You know, so it's it's important Tough. to have your pre-approval and your financing and everything, uh, you know, in lockstep going into those. Yeah. So speaking of which, give us a call at PRMI, 206-809-PRMI. We have about 30 seconds. So I wanted to uh, thank you for everything you've done for the show, Sean. I just really do appreciate that so much uh, over the years. Thank you. Same to you, Harry. Yeah. It's always a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to our new adventure. I love it. Yeah, check us out. So tell people how they would uh, reach you if they want to get a hold of you. Sure, you can get a hold of me by phone. My name is Shauna Peterson, 206-979-6637 or online at warmatgroup.com. Kyle, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, cell phone, 425-478-0961 or uh, you can hit hit us up on the website, prmipugetsound.com. Yeah, give us a call, uh, 206-809-PRMI. You can also reach me direct at 425-736-2433. You need to purchase a refi or perhaps taking a look at a reverse mortgage. It has been my pleasure and I certainly want to thank Kyle and Shauna for hanging out with us today. One, two, three, go Hawks. One, two, three, go Go Hawks. Hawks. Let's go.
You've been listening to On the House, sponsored by Primary Residential Mortgage, NMLS 3094, Harry Christ, NMLS 96705. PRMI is an equal housing lender. 